iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm keeping my intro as short as possible so we can get right into the action what was, from my opinion, one of the best football weekends of the year. But I am so excited because with me today, in the flesh, is Ollie Kay, who's left Rippenden for the day. Plus, of course, we have Pedro Pinto, you know him from CNN World Sport. And also in the flesh, Matt Dickinson. Although uh, he's going to be pretending to be on the phone and breathing heavily a la Ollie K. So anyway, enough of this senseless chatter. Let's get rolling. Carling Cup final. Um, you were there. Ollie, I, we can maybe have a debate about what, this all, what the Carling Cup actually means, if anything. But um, let's just start with Liverpool, though, because I thought, you know, the, the, the game kind of unpanned the way I expected. Cardiff perhaps trying to hit, perhaps trying to use set pieces. Um, Liverpool had a lot of the ball, I thought, but um, and they put, put put crosses and balls into the box, but nobody was getting on the end of them, were they? No, it, it seemed to reflect a lot of Liverpool's difficulties this season. They seem to have a lot of possession in, in in a lot of these games and create a lot of well shooting chances, should we put that? But whether they're whether they're often proper clear-cut chances or not is a, is a different matter. They, I mean, I, I saw varying stats yesterday about whether it was sort of 30-odd or 40-odd shots that they had over the 120 minutes, but it was, uh, it, it was pressure on the Cardiff sort of penalty area rather than pressure on the goal. It, it, it seemed to me like things weren't quite uh, joining up. So although they had this pressure, although they had enough chances and enough attempts, you'd th- you would have thought to have won the game in 120 minutes. Um, it, there was just a bit of a lack of fluency, a lack of um, cutting edge. I think Liverpool have uh, decent raw materials. I, I just don't know if they've uh, developed enough uh, this far into the season when he's still looking uh, at, at ways to make his midfield work. Obviously, it hurt to lose Lucas Leiva, but um, I see a lot of huffing and puffing. I, I don't see sometimes a lot of, a lot of uh, results, but don't underestimate the, the importance of actually getting a trophy. You know, First one since 2006. That, that's, that's important to break and that drought. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the importance of that. I think there are, you know, look, advances under Daglish, but, you know, they are fitful. Um, the Carroll the Carol signing is, is, you know, much as Kenny thinks we're obsessed with, with him. Oddly enough, when, when a guy spends 35 million on the striker, we're, we're, we're pretty damn interested. Um, and, you know, his progress is, is fitful. Yeah, they are moving. They are moving forward, but it's in fits and starts. And he makes some pretty big tactical swings, not all of which make sense. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's it's progress, and, and a, a cup is important. You ask the Man U players, Wayne Rooney's first trophy was, um, I believe, at Man United, was the Carling Cup, um, and that, you know, not saying it, that alone put them um, back in at the big time, but it was, you know, it was a little step that helped to encourage them. Um, so, you know, it's not it was not a small day for, for Liverpool, but, um, you know, it's a fit, fitful progress. Does this really? I mean, I, I I take the point, and I almost feel like we the media are conditioned to notice these things. You know, first trophy since two thousand six. You know, the first trophy for after Douglas's return, and blah blah blah. But then I, I try to take a step back and try to look at it logically and empirically, and I kind of feel like who really gives a I mean what do you, you need the Carling Cup to motivate you to play you better do, do we make too big a, a deal out of this well Arsene Wenger started to talk about this uh, a year ago or so when people were talking about Arsenal's lack of trophies and he was saying we don't need a Carling Cup or we don't need an FA Cup to validate or justify what, what we're doing here um, but 12 months on it, it looks like winning the Carling Cup last year would have made a big difference for Arsenal psychologically because if you look at it, they completely collapsed um, after that Carling Cup defeat by Birmingham. And um, it probably was a precursor to a, some of what followed with with Nasri, etc. It sort of deflated the whole team. It, a, a trophy is not an end in itself. It, it, it's sort of a, a, another stop another stop on a, on a long journey, really. And I think for Liverpool, it's already been a long journey back from the sort of abyss of... Uh, 12, 18 months ago, when they, when they were, they really were in a pretty sorry state. Um, I think they've still got an awful lot, you know, an awful long way to go. And I think, I think yesterday showed not so much how far they've come, but how far they've still got to go. Because I, I, th- I think there's a there's a lack of real top four quality in, in that team. Maybe they'll end up getting top four by default this season. But who is top four quality in the starting eleven? I'll throw this out to everybody. Well, can, can, Rainer, can, can, can Skirtle, you count to five? Agger, Agger? Um, Enrique possibly Gerard Suarez Carol if you were playing to his strengths you, you, you could you could have the same conversation about Arsenal or Chelsea or, or Spurs they're very they're, well, you can't really say that about Chelsea given so, that many of these guys did finish top four last season well yeah but, but whereas many of these people many of these other guys didn't I mean Liverpool kind of kind of a stinker last season well they did but but Similarly, you would you would say players like Skirtle, Johnson, uh, etc., look an awful lot better now than they did than they did. No, a year no, ago. I, I grant you that. They, they, just, they look like a mid-table team a year ago. They've now improved, and what they have got is is probably they've got. I'd say the nucleus of a of a top four team, but the players around the edges. I don't think Downing does enough for me. Henderson, Carroll. It's um, you're shaking your head. It, it's 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 not anything like top four quality, and and these are the kind of players that you're perhaps limited to attracting when you haven't got Champions League football. Well, that, that that is the the real trophy that they need. I would say these are guys who are good enough for a team in transition they're not good enough for a team as, as the final product and they wouldn't be good enough to play in the Champions League um, that, that's my opinion so when you have players like this um, and you don't have two or three star names around them like a Parker has a Modric uh, like a Bale you, you really can't you know like Mourinho said you, you, if you get the smaller eggs you're not going to get a big omelette Dicko well, I think, and also, I mean, an interesting thought is just how the off-pitch development is going to, you know, potentially affect the on-pitch. I mean, you know, they're obviously looking 
um, again uh, and afresh at the, the stadium development. And um, you know, long long term, that needs to be done. I mean, that's where Arsenal have have um, you know, stolen a, stolen a march on them and 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 got the worst of the, the worst of that through already. Now, we are, when it comes to, to to developing the stadium, is you know is the cost of that going to cause any kind of sort of recalibration of of, of team development? It's going to be interesting. Um, interesting juggling out for for the new owners and and really the real test of the new owners I mean I, th- I sort of get the sense that they've lurched into a few decisions they weren't sure about appointing Kenny um, they sort of did that on the hoof um, they made you know they talked about a certain buying strategy which seems to to, 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 to some degree to have been sort of uh, thrown out the window in certain signings they, they've sort of they've had to wing it to a, to, to, a, to a greater degree than they hoped when they bought the club um, they put a lot of stock in FF financial fair play sort of helping them to float naturally back to the top as a grand institution but say they've got still got some big tests and and some big decisions um to come uh, you know which which will be the real test of their ownership um, as for Cardiff, um, I hold my hands up. There's a lot of football to watch. My brief is to watch the Premier League and European football, so I don't really watch the championship much at all. Um, I'm assuming you guys are all big enthusiasts of the championship, especially you, Ollie. So I will start with you. Um, I thought, I mean, it's a well-managed team, well-organized. They follow the game plan, a couple decent players. Um, is this the kind of team that can come up and then all of a sudden be in Norwich and establish themselves in sort of mid-table? I would say it possibly is, yeah. If you look at if you look at the individuals and I look at the, some of the performances yesterday, I mean, people like Peter Whittingham, who didn't quite make it at Villa and has, has come back and is, is, has now been one of the better players in the Championship the last few years. He's basically and a Premier League player playing Yeah, in the I would say so. But I, I think, I mean, if you, if you look at, for example, the Norwich team, you wouldn't say that that's full of Premier League quality players, but 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 they've got a way of playing. They're they're, they're organised. They're they're spirited. They know what they're doing. Um, they have a certain way of playing, and it's worked really well for them. I think I think there are a lot of similarities with, with, with the Cardiff team. There's a lot that can be said for this kind of team that, that battles and runs and is is organised, and they they can survive uh, in the Premier League playing like that. Um, but uh, you also have to take into account that this is a team that's motivated for a cup final. So whether they could keep up this level of intensity throughout a season that's very very um, very doubtful and, and just, uh, just on, the, on the sort of legacy issue I mean if you talk to Birmingham City fans about you know they obviously won a cup 12 months ago then they got relegated and they had this summer where everybody left and there was a very uncertain future and thankfully they seem to have really stabilised under Chris Hutton I think any Birmingham fan would have accepted that trade-off and, and 12 months on they would say that was that was a trade-off worth taking if you look around the country and ask most fans where they would have wanted to be yesterday it would have been celebrating a, 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 a Carlin Cup I think if you'd asked Arsenal fans 364 days out of 365 they'd have said the same but then again I guess beating Spurs 5-2 in those circumstances well look uh, at it the, 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 the former editor of the Cardiff Daily Reader or whatever you edited in <laughs> Cardiff uh, uh, has provided also the perfect segue into uh, Arsenal v Spurs Dicko I'm slightly confused here because being Italian, I look at it and see like you're 2-0 up. I suppose it's possible somebody can come back and equalize, but they can't come back and score five goals. It just cannot happen. Um, should we be 
harsher on uh, on on Harry Redknapp and Spurs, or should we just be celebrating this uh, as amazing character that Arsenal have shown all of a sudden? Which well, we, should, we probably should be a bit harsher on Spurs than than the peers in the paper. I mean, there were just so many. You know, it's just I mean, honestly, in a season when you know you just sort of think, well, you know, you never get a game better than that, and then suddenly you turn up a week later and um, there's a game better than that. It's just it was astonishing, um, and possibly the, the most astonishing, just because partly just because of the level of dismay um, and then into venom that was being thrown at certain Arsenal players in those first 20 minutes, and just how how appalling some of the defence was I mean you know 50 yard gaps in the defense you know one of the worst attempts to play the offside trap I have ever seen um, in the first 20 minutes I mean just an absolute shambles Harry Redknapp said afterwards you know even at 2-0 he sensed that Arsenal were, were were sort of finding their feet and getting and getting back into it we should probably be harder on Tottenham you know you sort of associate Spurs with this sort of great balance of a team and that it didn't feel like it had that way I, I was surprised he didn't bring Lennon on I've, I've got quite a lot of reservations about Lennon um, generally but I'd, I would have thought it made more sense to bring Lennon on stick Bale back on the left rather than you know he seemed to get lost basically either in the middle or then even moving way over to the right so this, would, you, would you have done this Brought Lennon on what instead of Funderfar? Well, yeah, I mean, with I, those changes. I mean, I can see why he brought Sandro on to try and stiffen stiffen up the midfield, but the team just still looked imbalanced. Um, I think he should have. He basically should have gone with you know, three, three. You know, Bale, Bale left, Lennon right. Um, still brought on Sandro and probably just had Adebayor. Um, uh, up front on his own, but it, it, the, the, the team, the team say for a Spurs team, um, just looked um, imbalanced. And then they had you know, Par- Parker, who, who be- you know, they, they just began with such confidence, Spurs. But Parker b- sort of began to look pretty leggy pretty early, actually, and was 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 getting was was late for a lot of tackles. And Modric looked just very unusually um, sort of subdued and overrun. Um, it was just an extraordinary, extraordinary afternoon. I agree with everything you said, Matt. Um, this is a team that, that had too many attacking players in it to, to, to play away against an Arsenal side that can be criticised, but they still have enough pace to, to, to run at teams and to create problems. Um, it, it is quite uh, easy to sit back now and say, oh, what were they thinking? They, they were 2 0 up. That, that's the thing. Uh, and that's exactly the thought I had, Gabriele, as well. When you two up away, how, how do you. How do you concede five goals it's crazy um but yeah i mean parker can't be expected to run and defend on his own in midfield luca's not going to do it uh nico's not going to do it either is he uh so it 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 was always going to be really tough if you don't give a back two in uh in ledley king and 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 kabul enough protection when you have a look at the at the right and left backs who are also attacking players that there wasn't enough metal in that team ollie you're the biggest england fan here because uh, pedro and i are english and obviously dicko's history is well known so um is it were you this band's taking over england i mean i had a bad day is it the kind of thing where you just kind of move on and, and, and forget about it? Or, or could he really have done more against, you know, an, an Arsenal side with Rosicki, Benayoun and Walcott and Gibbs? Well, 
if you look at the, you know, I appreciate everything everybody said, but if you look at the the changes he made at half time, that was that was Sandro coming on and and it's textbook it, stuff. It, it, it was about yeah, it was textbook. Van der Vaart would it, hold the ball yeah, and stuff it, it, a little it was, better. It was yeah. about going to a four four one one. It was about getting Modric out of the middle. It was about to Sandro and Parker in the middle, and that in theory looked a lot more solid. But but they just. I think it was rather than sort of individual tactics, formations, lineups. I think it was the fact that they seemed to retreat. They seemed to uh, start worrying about what Arsenal were going to do to them rather than what they could do to Arsenal. And that, that was quite unlike the modern Tottenham, who who are a very assertive team and, and, have, and have impressed in that way the last three years. But Redknapp, I think everybody knows what his strengths are. His strengths are making footballers feel good about themselves energising a dressing room giving them a sense of purpose and I think that is what England lack right now and lacked uh, towards the end of the Capello era I personally don't think that Redknapp did too much wrong it's still weird that you give up five goals but ultimately you know I think his achievements this season show that he's got a decent understanding and, and I think Spurs have done Spurs have done well, but let's we'll be celebrating Arsenal a little bit. Um, this brings me back to one of my ultimate pet peeves. When we look at Arsenal, and they've got good players who play badly, and then Arsenal lose, and we say that they lack the mental toughness. It's almost like sort of this you know knee-jerk reaction. Um, Pedro, a game like this, you're 2-0 down at home. You've just got, you know, you were just humiliated in the Champions League. To come back takes mental toughness. So do they have mental toughness? Do they not have it? Or should we just basically stop talking about the stuff that we can't measure and uh, just talk about what happens on the pitch? I still think they lack maturity to win big games consistently with the players they have. It doesn't mean when everything goes right for you that you can't come out and score five goals Look at this with, the, with the talent they have on, on the field. Who, who's immature? But, I mean, who's even young? I mean, apart from Gibbs and Walker. As far as winning players, who there has won anything in their careers? I mean, the, the kind of winning mentality that we were talking about when we were mentioning Liverpool, I think sure that, that is... sure has won a title in Scotland. Who are closers? <laughs> the, the thing is, in, in football, and, and you, you talk to... When I talk... To, to a lot of players who have won things. They say, you need to know how to win. And these are guys who don't know how to win. And as much as Arsene Wenger has a project, this project is not working because they're not winning. And the longer you go without getting up there and celebrating a title and validating what you're doing, the more you're going to have self-doubt of players as, as soon as things go wrong. I don't want to, to, to you know, downplay what they did yesterday, which was, was astonishing, but in some ways it's the easiest mental resolve to, 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 to come, come by, I think. This was a sort of comeback plucked from from sort of fear, fear of, of humiliation and, and almost a sort of, um, well, you know, can, can it get any worse? You know, it's sort of almost out of desperation, basically. And that's, you know, what we look for Arsenal is to be, you know, more assertive, you know, and someone like Walcott sums it up. Look for someone like him to, to dictate games from the start against all kinds of opposition, whether it's top opposition or sometimes, you know, this sort of complacency we see against some of the weaker teams. I mean, they, they, they 
did it four weeks ago, didn't they? In the, in the cup against Aston Villa, they were two 0 down, and it looked like they were staring into the abyss, and ended up winning three two and three goals in very quick succession. It was quite quite similar in many ways. But I mean, Wenger will come out and talk about their wonderful mentality. I, I don't think anybody can really think they have a wonderful mentality. They they believe in what they're doing, and on those two occasions, they they got it absolutely right by carrying on doing what they were doing and doing it well. But um, there are at least as many occasions where the opposite happens and they crumble and I mean we haven't spoken about them yet but Manchester United yesterday conceded a, you know conceded an equaliser late on in the game and yet 90 minutes Ryan Giggs pops up and, and scores the winner Manchester United have I mean I, I would love to see the statistics about how many times Manchester United have been on e- each end of those uh, those kind of results as opposed to Arsenal it seems to me that Arsenal yes they do win a lot of late games later on but they also drop a lot of points later on Manchester United know how to know how to win games and they know how to close games when they're already winning that's that to me is a team with a strong mentality I just think the stars lined up for Arsenal yesterday when you have Thomas Rosicki you know playing like he used to play <laughs> at Dortmund uh, and you have Theo Walcott playing like he could play in the second half and you have Van Persie being probably the best forward in, in, in the world right now it just clicked Okay, it doesn't mean that suddenly they're going to go on and win 10 games in a row. But then again, it doesn't mean that they're as bad as everybody sometimes says they are. They're going to go on and lose eight games in a row. Interesting point, just as a complete aside, totally unrelated. You said uh, Roman Van Persie, probably the best center forward in the world right now. Hard to disagree, certainly in the conversation. Pep Guardiola said at the weekend that Falcao was the best forward in the world right now. From your blank-eyed stare, I'm assuming you disagree. He's the best finisher in in the world of football right now. From what I saw at him at Porto last year and the the variety of goals which he scored. I mean, I think he scored a goal with every little part of his body. And I'm talking about from the kneecap to the the back heel. And that gives me a chance to plug that amazing goal by Cristiano Mm -hmm. this weekend. If you haven't seen it, check it out against uh, Rayo Vallecano. Um, But yeah, best finisher, Falcão. Best overall forward in the game, Van Persie. He's got, be, he's got to be the player. The, I mean, at the moment, he's got to be clear front runner football of the year. And there was a great moment yesterday. We saw in the second half where he, I think it must have been when they were four, four two or five two up, where he just decided to take take the Mickey and and did a pirouette in the middle and 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 pulled it off. But it's just um, there can't there can't be anyone playing better football, any individual playing better football anywhere um, apart from that bloke at Barcelona. I can't remember his name. Danny Alves. Um, right. So just to wrap this up, because people. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. They'll love spurious predictions that they can then come back and throw in our faces. Um... I'm assuming we all have City, United, and Spurs finishing in the top three in some order. So I will ask you, beginning with Mr. K, who's finishing fourth? 
Gosh. Um, Arsenal. Pedro? Chelsea. Dicko, you have the deciding vote. Oh, I'd go probably just with Chelsea. Oh, nothing like a midweek England friendly to get those juices flowing. Stuart Pierce is in charge for, for this one England game. Um, and there's obviously so much negativity about the national team. Um, even with his former manager gone, there's still so much negativity now. But um, I'm going to look at this slightly differently. We've had the build-up that we expected, everybody pulling out, picking up phantom injuries and stuff. And uh, I'm assuming you know the only reason people will... We'll, we'll pay attention to this thing on Wednesday is that there's going to be no other football um, but Ollie can you cheer me up give me some positives if, if you were if you were um, in Stuart Pierce's head or Stuart Pierce came to you and said like Ollie what should I do with, with this might you suggest to him hey why don't you call up all the guys who never got a chance Fraser Campbell Mika Richards or, or haven't got much of a chance and then you know see if this New England kind of excites people rather than calling up people like Rooney who are going to get hurt anyway and pull out, which he did. Well, I, I mean, he, he has picked those couple of players, Richards, Campbell. Um, he's picked a lot of the players who were just getting into the squad under Capello, i.e. Smalling, Jones, Cleverly, Welbeck, Sturridge. People, people were saying, oh, it's going to be a, a, an incredible fresh new squad. It's going to, you know, the, 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 it's not going to be all the old guys that Capello picked. Capello had, had, had started picking these young guys the, the ones I mentioned um, so it's not like it's some huge leap into some brave new world uh, by Stuart Pearce um, people say well why is he picked Gareth Barry why is he picked Stuart Downing um, if you were going to pick um, a team that didn't have any of these sort of B-list, C-list, uh, mediocre players who are in the England squad and that might be a bit harsh on Gareth Barry might not um, you're going to be scraping the barrel before long. I, I, to be honest, I think I think Fraser Campbell is is a bit of a, a barrel scraping selection. He's, he's not one that uh, I, I don't think he would get in the Holland squad. Put it that way. I don't think he'd get um, in Spain's D squad, even though they're not. Particularly then again, there's only three strikers in the squad. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, it's it, there isn't strength in depth. People were looking for more young players, more unproven players. And I, to be honest, I, I'm thinking, well, where are they? They've, they've got. You know, Sturridge, Cleverly, etc. In the squad, Smalling. Um, there isn't an awful lot beyond those. I mean, you could talk about people like Danny Rose, or you could people, you know, Nathan Dyer at Swansea is one who I thought might. Um, those are more wingers. Yeah, Dicko. What about taking this this opportunity, maybe trying something like, you know, Walcott through the middle, um, which I, I know. I mean, you wrote about Walcott today, obviously. You know, he's Wenger uses him on the wing. Capello used him there, but I, I don't think you know it's set in stone that he can't play well, as a I second forward. He's best. He's best as um, uh, I would say, and, and on the right of a four-three-three, basically attacking. And I think that's the system that that England are best set up to use. In any case, I'd play. I'd play Welbeck, um, Sturridge, and Walcott myself. I mean, I'd. Wait, sorry, wait, 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 at the Euros. Uh, well, this week and and looking towards the Euros, yeah, I think that's that's. But don't you then have a big problem when Rooney comes back from a suspension? Well, that is that that is potentially the problem. I mean, it it, it it's a good thing about Rooney. The great thing about Rooney is that he's you know he can play number nine or ten. He had that prolific season. You know, it's not how he's playing more regularly for United, but I think he's he's capable of it. And you know, we are not blessed with number nines. I think Welbeck is the best of a bunch, but he's still young, 
still exploring his potential. So you know, it's quite quite possible he'll have a dip. So I think we need to we need to keep options open because because we've got you know kind of flim, flimsiness in the squad. But I think there's certainly four three three is how I'd set it up for now. I think it plays to a, a uh, I wouldn't say plays to strengths, but um, masks, masks a few weaknesses, hopefully. And um, I actually think Pierce has got the balance about right. It's not, there's an awful lot about Pierce that I, I'm very unsure about. Um, uh, but, you know, I think the pitch is about right. He's, he's, he's made a, a point by, by leaving out a few of the, the real old-timers, Rio and, and Lampard and so on. He's brought in, you know, he's not, not been silly, um, and, but, you know, and he's, he's looking to put the accent on, on youth. And I think that's, that's about the right pitch. Um, you know, I would play a, you know, a, a, the strongest team I've got available, um, but with the accent on a younger player where, where there's any dilemma. He's been a bit silly by bringing in Fraser Campbell. Well, okay, that's a bit. okay, a little bit silly. But every every manager, he's, he's, every manager's allowed their one sort of slightly weird hunch. Um, I guess we, we've all we've all got them, or we'd, we'd all like to have them if we if we were in the same shoe. But yeah, that's a bit silly. But yeah, I, you can't. I mean, Lescott I'd have put in because I think yes. he still needs some big games. You know, he's still a developing England senior player, and it seemed a bit odd to leave him out. But um, you know, I think playing Jones at centre half is and and Smalling together is is no bad thing um, you know say I, I, I'm quibbling with this squad I'm certainly not taking a shotgun well, to it I, I just wanted to add something really quickly and maybe I'll be ridiculed now but uh, <laughs> I, I think it'd be interesting to have a look at Joe Cole um, Lille are on a really good run right now in the French League just because he plays outside of, of England doesn't mean he doesn't exist I do think that uh, comes to a point where you, with, with certain players you know you obviously don't want to throw away talent and England certainly can't afford to throw away talent but I think there are times when you have to, to move on to someone like, someone like Sturridge is playing is playing well enough that um, he's a different type of player from Cole but in, in, in the sort of system England are looking at it'd be fighting for the same sort of position and I think they need to be looking they need to be looking at at the storages rather than going back to Joe Dico, I, I want to ask you about that about, specifically on, on storage because the guy thinks of himself as a centre forward I, I think he's right I don't I think I don't think he's played well this year I mean he played well he scored a lot of goals for Chelsea most of Chelsea have basically stunk it up and you know he, he hasn't he's been, but he's been Chelsea's second best player come on yeah I don't think he helps generally in, in a larger team and I, I don't think there's a future for him playing on the wing if you want to start playing him through the middle um, in the, you know and basically do what Torres was supposed to do then, then that's fine or in a different system but do you think Sturridge can play wide in a four-three-three for England and not? Yeah, yeah. Because well, you say on the wing. I mean, I think in that system, I, I think he can work. I mean, you know, I, I, I have reservations about him. Um, I don't. I think there are times at Chelsea he does. Yeah, his 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 sort of he doesn't help the the flow of a team. He some, you know, the ball gets to him sometimes, and and we have to sort of all stand there watching as he you know goes off on some um, slightly self indulgent run or you know misses misses a quick layoff. And yeah, he can frustrate, but he's a young young player still developing. Um, and I think he can play in that system. I think you know that's what I think him and I mean I think Walcott is perfectly attuned for for for, for that one you know the slightly wider player in the fourth. Three, three, and I think Sturridge. It might not be the perfect position, but then we haven't really, see, you know, we haven't seen him as a, a number nine. And I, I would, you know, certainly it's, England can't just throw him in there. Um, he might think he's he's more of a, a, a sort of classic striker, but I don't see how that's going to work in England system. And I think he's he brings strengths. He, he, he brings strengths that can be used in a wide in a four-three-three. And, and, and with Bullcott and Sturridge, there's the, there's the same thing. They both think of themselves as strikers. They're not going to be the strikers in the system that their clubs use. 
because that's you know, it's, it's broadly a four three three four two three one. They're not going to be playing through the middle in those systems because they're not developed enough and they're not probably mature enough and clever enough players to do that. Yeah, so they, they, the maturity thing. I mean, yeah, Sturridge is twenty two. He's been basically a star and talked about since he was fourteen. He's played for had seventeen different clubs or thereabouts. I mean, I. I really like Sturridge. I, every time, You're welcome to him. I, I, every time I see him play, I think he's got the <laughs> extra level of technique that you don't see in the England team. Speaking of extra levels of technique, just very quickly, um, why isn't Andy Carroll there? Uh, he's uh, out of form in in Pierce's mind. I think he's actually in the best form he's been in for <laughs> fourteen miserable months. But, uh, I, I, but I I thought that. Um, after the withdrawals of Bent and um, who else was it pulled out? Rooney. Uh, I, I thought maybe they'd call Carroll up. I think it's. I think he's still a an option that is worth considering for England, particularly yeah. in this necessarily Rooneyless system in in the first two games. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be Plan A. He wouldn't be my Plan B. But England needs to be thinking of Plan C, Plan well, D, Plan C, Plan Carroll, no, or Plan Crouch. Exactly. This, this is a bit of a get the stick out for Carroll, I think, isn't it? He's, you know, I yeah. think Pierce has had his issues with him previously, and I, I just think this, I, and I agree with it. I think it's, this is a sort of look. You are playing a bit better, but not so well that you're just going to swan back into the England team. And I, I think, I think giving him a bit of a uh, using the stick a bit on. I mean, I'm not. He, he doesn't walk into my Euro squad anyway. But I think, I think giving him a, a, another prod is no bad thing. All right, since you guys are in the know, um, I'm, I'm sure you are too, Pedro, but I want to get Ollie and Dicko on this since this is their <laughs> brief. Are we any closer to having a new England manager? Have, have they spoken to, 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 to Harry Redknapp? Is he on their list? Do they have a list or is it just the one name? He, he's certainly on the list, and I think it is a list rather than a you know rather than a piece of paper with Harry Redknapp's name on it. Apparently, they haven't spoken to him. Apparently, they haven't spoken to Spurs. Pedro, like me, you don't have a horse in this race. So, um, and I'm assuming that Redknapp, if you have to choose an English manager, is first choice. But um, who would second choice be if the FA had to choose an English manager for the Euros, in your opinion? I'm pretty sure there are only three English managers in the Premier League right now. Um, but you can choose. You can choose an unemployed. You can choose Kerbishly or Shear. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, when I was looking at this, I, I was really shocked that there are not more English managers at, at the top of the game. Is Terry uh, Connors English? Yeah. There you go. And Four then, right? I, I, I was shocked, like most of the international press, that you would let a guy go who's won what he's won, uh, like Capello, and you don't have a plan B immediately, and then you sit around waiting for I don't know what to name someone else. It just as a ma From a management point of view and from an outside point of view, this makes no sense. The only guy I see is Roy Hodgson. I'm sorry. That's it. That's that. That's why I got. I don't. I don't have it. He, he's got international experience, and um, he, he tactically, I believe, he's he's quite sophisticated. But you're right. Is is that a valid plan B? Maybe are you, not. Are you assuming it's got to be? Are you, are you, are you yes. setting, setting a category here that it has to be English? Yes. Yes. Because why, they've, why they've come out and they said it would be better. They have said privately that sort of, well, of course we want it to be English and they can say that because they think they've got an English person in, in, in Harry Redknapp to take it. But if, if that was to fall down for whatever reason, then they would suddenly start saying, well, well, sort of British is pretty English. And, and actually even sort of, you know, Arsene Wenger is, he's, he's sort of, he's one of our foreigners, you know, the, the, the parameters will be widened if if, if Harry um, falls through for whatever reason. You know, Martin O'Neill will suddenly become 
become very English. Um, stop being Irish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, I, but seriously, Dick, if, if you had to pick an English one, right? I mean, forget. I mean, I, I think they would lose even more credibility if they went and 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 they did that. But hey, you know, there's billions of good Scottish managers. You know, why not go and do that? But if they do stick with an English one. I mean, is is it going to be? Is it Pierce, Hodgson, Kirbishly, any of these people? Steve Bruce. Well, this is this is this is the um, Holloway. The lovely dilemma we're left with. I suspect. I suspect they. Big would, Sam. It would end up probably being Hodgson if if. Martin Allen. <laughs> Ollie, you get the final word. You, you've had time to think about this because you knew I was going to ask you after I asked Pedro and Dicko. Well, I've had time to think of it for the last three weeks, and I, and I know that there's there's not really a uh, a compelling plan B. To, I mean, I, I've. Would Kirbishley be so bad? Yeah, I think Kirbishley would be awful. <laughs> I, th- I think Kirbishley is, is a good manager for a, for a certain situation. I think he did a brilliant job at Charlton. Uh, but I, I've got to say, I think if Wolves had appointed him, I think that would have been a mistake. So why would I, why would I want England to appoint him? I mean, there, there, there are so few English managers. All of them uh, have sort of different strengths and weaknesses. I don't think any of them, apart from Redknapp, looks a credible candidate for England beyond the show. You know, he, even Redknapp, I would say, his strengths are only sorted, su- suited to the Euros and to doing something short term. I don't think it's a good job for him to take uh, long term. Um, as for what happens after the Euros, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I would love Arsene Wenger to, to, to do it. I think I would, that, that would be a, a brilliant move for English football. Time now for some quick hits. Uh, Manchester City pummel Blackburn 4-0 and Super Mario Balotelli scores the opener. Ollie, since these things really, really, really matter, tell me all about the fact that he smiled and what his body language was like. No, just kidding. Tell me if this is the City we saw earlier in the season or if Blackburn was just terrible. Uh, well, Blackburn were terrible and very unambitious, uh, which I suppose is understandable from one point of view. But th- that was more likely, more like the early season. City Ayatore was was back to his uh, his excellent form. Uh, the forwards all played well. It, it was just a very convincing, controlled, fluent, uh, efficient successful performance and Super Mario showed that he's a romantic at heart which I thought was very very sweet Manchester United keep pace with City with a late late goal at Norwich to win 2-1 uh, two youngsters named Scholes and Giggs were on the score sheet and Sir Alex Ferguson said they were the finest United has ever produced uh, Dicko you've got more of a sense of history than I do is uh, Fergie exaggerating a little bit are these guys finer than say Bobby Charlton and Duncan Edwards well, I mean, how are you measuring it? In terms of medals, clearly they're, they're, they're among the most successful players you know, in the history of the game, and certainly in terms of, of English football. But um, I, I increasingly find myself drawn to the Cruyff school of, of how do you compare you know, and refusing to compare generations. I mean, Duncan Edwards, obviously the tragedy of Munich. How, you know, how can we compare you know, him and, and what he might have become um, with players who, who managed to see through, through a long career? So skulls and gigs are legends. Let's leave it at that. And so is Bobby Charlton, I think. We'd all agree with that. Chelsea roll over Bolton 3-0 as Andre Villas-Bosch reintroduces uh, Ashley Cole, Michael Essien, and Frank Lampard to the starting eleven. Pedro, uh, do you think AVB got some, quote-unquote, advice from upstairs? And are Chelsea's problems now a thing of the past because they can score three second-half goals against Bolton? 
people who love conspiracy theories would love to think that uh, Andre got some uh, nudge from upstairs. I, I think he had to start seeing the obvious, which is this is too too quick to change the team in in half a season, getting all these influential guy, guys out. So my my, uh, my answer to that is no, he did not get advice. And do I think the problems are over? I think the situation is better. Um, but he's got still a lot of un unhappy characters in the squad. And we've only just begun. Newcastle go two goals up at home against Wolves, then end up drawing 2-2. Two -two. A man named Terry Connor was managing Wolves. Um, Ollie, who is this guy, and why did it take the club so long to appoint him? Well, uh, Terry Connor used to play for Leeds and Brighton back in the 80s and was a, was a sort of decent plodding set forward. Um, sort of seemed to disappear uh, a little bit I was apparently on the coaching in the community staff at at, uh, at Swindon Town then joined the coaching staff at Wolves and then somehow ends up as, as Wolves manager and that, that, that is a, a you know a, a lovely sort of um, rags to riches tale in one sense but but the, and it is, he's also a black manager and we, we've been saying about black managers not getting opportunities but it, you know it, it's a great human story but then there's obviously the sort of farce that surrounded his um, appointment at Wolves and they were interviewing everyone from Alan Kerbishley to Walter Smith to Steve Bruce and trying to get Brian McDermott and Gus Poyer so it, it seemed like a bit of a mess seemed like he got the job by default but um, let's hope for, for his sake and for Wolves sake he can he can make a good job of it I believe Wolves claiming that they only actually offer the job to one person before Connor who I'm assuming is Walter Smith yeah well I, I mean the, the they, um, there was a suggestion that they uh, they were actually in the, uh, at the point of sort of drawing up a contract for Steve Bruce, and then they um, then they changed their mind. So I mean, whatever they say, he was not their first choice. This was not the plan two weeks ago, but it, you know, maybe they'll have got the right man by uh, some freakish default. Aston Villa get a point at Wigan, but lose Darren Bent to injury. Uh, Dicko with Robbie Keane back in MLS and Bent hurt. Should Alex McLeish run around doing his chicken little thing because, well, the sky is falling? Uh, well, they don't want to go down, are they? Eight points clear of the drop, and it's going to take... How long does it take Blackburn to win eight points? Um, an awful long time. Um, so uh, they, 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 they're going to stay up. But, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a mess. I, I could see why Randy Lerner um, turned to McLeish. I, I thought there was some logic to it, but um, it's going worse than, than I expected and certainly than, than, than Villa expected. And um, he obviously doesn't have the, the goodwill of the fans to play with. So, yes, it's... Uh, Sticky, sticky, sticky times ahead. And to be fair to McLeish, it's not like he went and injured Darren Bent. There we were appraising Martin O'Neill for Sunderland's turnaround, and then suddenly they go and lose 4 0 to West Brom, managed by one Roy Hodgson. Uh, Pedro, O'Neill confuses me, so please shed some light. Is this just a weird blip? O'Neill is a motivator, an expert motivator. So any team he picks up uh, where they are disillusioned, as was the case with that team, with Steve Bruce, he was going to have a big effect. Are they as good as they've been recently by getting the best form uh, since Christmas? No. Um, but th th they'll, they'll, they'll stabilize and be a, a mid-table team. And, and O'Neill is, is good enough to, to, to lead them to that kind of standing. And that's, that's what they wanted. 
Gab one for you. Milan and Juventus drew one one at San Siro, but the Rossoneri are angry because of a goal that wasn't given. What's the story? You know, I wrote this in the script that basically the goal wasn't given. Muntari's header crossed the line and Buffon then palmed it back out and the linesman didn't see it. Uh, and it, basically everybody agrees once again that we should have goal line technology, which we may or may not get uh, this July when uh, IFAB uh, meet up again. But rather than answer that, I try to just talk about what a fantastic weekend and how many great things happened. And we talked a bit about the Carling Cup and, and Arsenal and, and, and Spurs, but um, you had Paris Saint-Germain incredible 4-4 draw with Leon with a last-ditch header from, from Horo. Uh, this Milan-Juve game was I thought absolutely fantastic. You had Ronaldo's crazy back heel. You had Leo Messi's uh, crazy free kick. Um, you had Bayern and Ribery. What a performance. I just think we should all take a moment after this podcast, of course, and celebrate the beauty of football. Ha! Leave on a positive. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's it for this week. But uh, remember, you can always go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, web chats. Ollie K does his web chat every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. There you go. You can catch me on Tuesdays. We're also all on Twitter. And uh, I will now ask you guys to uh, give me your Twitter handles. Ollie. Uh, Oliver K. Times. Pedro. Pedro CNN. And of course, I'm just Marcotti, like Liberace or Madonna. I only need the one name. Till next week, bye bye. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.